Today on The Ticket Tapes, we hear from Bettina, a doting grandma of five from Nottingham, who has transformed her battle against high blood pressure into an opportunity for healthier living for herself and her community. I've always vowed that I never wanted to have heart problems and I never wanted to have blood pressure because I saw how it debilitated my mother. And I used to say, dear God, give me anything else, but don't give me high blood pressure and don't give me any heart problems. So when the doctor said to me, you've got high blood pressure, I said, oh, stop being silly. That don't happen to me. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Bill Snadden. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. On this episode, Bettina, now 68, takes us back 20 years to a day etched in her memory, a traumatic day that set in train her diagnosis of high blood pressure. I was working in Sheffield and I normally finish work at four o'clock because they give me travelling time to come back to Nottingham. And I met a friend at the train station, got on the train and I can't remember how far into the journey we were. And I just said to her, oh, the train's packed and I don't, shall we wait for the other one? And then we thought by the time we wait for the other one, it was going to be probably another hour or so and it would be even more packed. So we got on the train and there wasn't any seats. So I was standing by the door and I don't know why along in the journey, I just said to her, oh, I don't feel very well. And she said, what is it? I said, I don't know. I just feel a bit weird. Mm. Again, I said, I don't know what happened. And the next thing I knew was that there were people breathing all over me <laughs> mm. um, and getting all excited. And I just kind of said to them, get off, move away from me. Mm. Um, and somebody said, you'd collapsed. And I said, how long for? And I'd blacked out and... I don't know. I can't remember how long they said it was, Bill, but I'd, I'd, been, I'd been sick as well. Mm. So I just hadn't collapsed. I had, pardon me, I'd vomited mm. all over myself. And I thought, oh, my God, this is disgusting. So somebody shouted the ticket collector and somebody brought me some water. And I think, I don't know why, I think I'd got some spare clothes in my bag mm. and I kind of went somewhere and changed out of their my clothes and they said well shall we call an ambulance and I said no you're not calling an ambulance oh we think you should call an ambulance says no I'm going to Nottingham and by that time I think we were near in Nottingham Mm. I think I can't remember how long it takes from Sheffield to Nottingham and they'd radioed on to the station to explain to them what had happened and I heard them say well we're going to get an ambulance. And I was adamant I wasn't going in an ambulance. No, I said, I'm not going in an ambulance. My car's at the train station. I'm going home. And mm, everybody you're was going to tough, ah! You're going to tough it out. Yeah, you can't do that. And I said, watch me. Mm. So I got up, put my coat on, hid whatever was the thingy. My friend walked me. Her car was in the um, car park as well. Walked to the car park, jumped in my car, got home. Went in the shower and mm. then my husband noticed I'd just come in and just gone straight into the shower. So I then told him what had happened. Mm. So the next day I rang the doctor and told them what had happened. And the doctor said, well, 
can I come and see them? And I said, well, look, if this happened yesterday, I need to see you today. And I think he said something like, well, it'll have to be the end of surgery. I said, I don't care if it's the end of surgery. I need to see you today to find out what's going on. Mm. So I went to the doctor's surgery and he said, your blood pressure is really high. So I had to explain to him how I felt. I said, in the morning, I felt fine. I said, it was just about in the afternoon when I was coming home. You know, I boarded the train at half past four, four o'clock. I can't remember what time. And somewhere in the journey, I just felt lightheaded and that was it. Mm. And he asked me if there was any other symptoms. And I said, no. And I said, um, it was then I told my GP that my grandmother had my fraternal grandmother had blood pressure and I remember as a child growing up in Jamaica we used to have rice and peas on a Sunday which is cooked with rice with kidney beans and coconut cream and seasoning mm. and I always used to notice that she used to pick the kidney beans out of the dish and I always used to say to her why are you picking it out and she said because it gives her an headache mm. but I didn't understand at the time so I told the doctor about my grandma and I said, look, my mum's got blood pressure and my dad's got blood pressure. But I remember my aunt saying my mum was always complaining about headaches. Mm. And your mum was always ill. It was always about headaches. And your dad used to laugh at her and say, you know, I don't know what's the matter with her now. Her head's always hurting. And then of later years, my dad developed blood pressure. So I told the doctor all that and it was like, oh, OK, we'll just give you some medication. And they put me on a variety of medication and I just took the medication, didn't think anything else about it. I bought myself a blood pressure monitor, monitoring my blood pressure. But then I didn't understand what the readings meant. Mm. You know, I just carried on. It never stopped me carrying on with life and doing all the things I wanted to do. So... How old were you, Bettina, when you got that diagnosis? I think I was in my late 40s. Mm. And when the doctor told you all this, you had a bit of trouble coming to terms with it and, and you told him that uh, he must be kidding. Yeah, I, because it was... I've always vowed that I never wanted to have heart problems and I never wanted to have blood pressure because I saw how it debilitated my mother. Mm. And I used to say, dear God, give me anything else, but don't give me high blood pressure and don't give me any heart problems. So when the doctor said to me, you've got high blood pressure, I said, oh, stop being silly. That don't happen to me. I'm not stressed. I'm not worried. I'm not overweight as such. I eat healthily. So, you know, where's all this thing coming from? Mm. But he never mentioned that it could be a family trait. Mm. I don't know whether my, I think my maternal grandmother had blood pressure as well. Mm. You told the doctor in that, uh, in, in that consultation that you thought that the collapse on the train could have been caused by an egg mayonnaise sandwich or some such. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. I did. I did because I had add an egg mayonnaise sandwich at lunchtime mm. and I don't normally buy anything and that day I went out and I bought one I thought it might have been that the egg mayonnaise had upset me mm. but he never questioned that at all no but in hindsight though when you 
look back, you had some headaches yourself and there were some symptoms that you didn't really want to believe could be high blood pressure? I had, I, the doc, I had headaches and the doctor, the doctor always described the headaches as migraine. Mm. So I always said that I've got a migraine. I didn't associate it with blood pressure. Mm. Um, I didn't have some of the symptoms that I saw my mother had, you know, which was shortness of breath and dizzy spells sometimes and whatever. I didn't have that. So to me, that wasn't that wasn't it. I, I, went, I went to the gym and, you know, I, I exercise and whatever. Mm. And you were working full time. Yes, I was working full time with a, with with a, with with um with a family. Um, but you know, I, I brought my children up to be independent, and mm. you know, it was a it was a it was a job. Mm. After my collapse on the train, my GP decided that I shouldn't travel to Sheffield every day because I was I was getting up at six in the morning. And I had to be at the train station to catch the quarter to, what was it, the quarter past seven train or something like that, and get into work for about half past nine. Mm. Um, so the doctor then suggested that, well, no, he just said to me, you can't do this traveling to Sheffield. And he signed me off sick. And I didn't like that. And he said, look, until your employer, and I was working for the civil service, your employer needs to find you a job in Nottingham. So they sent a report to the to my personnel to say, look, it's unwise for her to be traveling to Sheffield um, every day. The train and, and the, the thing about going to Sheffield was there was one train, but they only sometimes had two carriages mm -hmm. and it was chock-a-block. Mm. So... I, they, they actually found me a job in Nottingham and I just carried on my own merry way, taking the tablets and then they decided to change the tablets from one to another and another. And I, me I mentioned to the doctor, I said, look, I've always got puffy ankles. And he said, that's part of the blood pressure. Mm. And the tablets that you're taking should ease that. But they... they still there and mm. it's only the outside of my ankles not the inside mm. some years the british art foundation came to nottingham to run a project called the hearts and minds and i was at home one day and i heard a group of people talking about it and i thought oh i'd love to get involved so i got involved mm. with the british art foundation and we ran a project over umpteen years and we engaged with the African Caribbean community because high blood pressure is rife in my community. So we, we engaged with them and the BHF brought out a cookery book, a recipe book that they'd got. I think at the time they said it was Rusty Lee to design the, the, the recipes, mm. but we don't use tin kidney beans we use the dried kidney beans we soak it overnight and then we boil it until it's very soft the next day and we do whatever mm. so you know that was hard to get through to the community to say look can you um we need to try a different way of doing of cooking mm. and with salt as well because the community the black community they will cook with 
um, chicken seasoning which are salt in. They will cook with all-purpose seasoning which have salt in. They will cook with this flavor enhancer which is white and very salty and then they would still put salt so through the cookery books we it came that we should use less salt and more herbs and it mm. took a long while mm. for the community even myself to mm. get to grips with that so and then we talked about your waist um circumference and exercising and and whatnot and it went down it went down well mm. This program, the Hearts and Minds program, where you were um, talking with, engaging with uh, the black community in, in Nottingham, that you emphasised the importance of making it personal and relevant and the importance of language in these programs. Yes. A lot of the people that we engaged with were my elders and they were the ones who cooked traditionally mm. and it... And Whilst English is their, is their first language, we, we do speak Patois, which is a dialect of English and Creole and other things mixed together. So to get the message across, we had to speak in a way that they... I had to forget that I was a child brought up in the UK, so I had to go back to, to my traditional tongue, tongue to make them understand what it was that we were saying. And we had to do it in a way that made them laugh because you know we would say things like well if you keep on eating like that you're going dead soon which means if you keep on eating like that you're not going to be here for very long mm. and you know it became they laughed at it but they took it seriously so we went all over the place and distributed the booklets and wherever there was a function and we would try and get a a spot and we would go and we'd talk about the bhf mm. As a charity, the British Heart Foundation depends on the generosity of donors to continue carrying out a life-saving research. Thank you to all those who already give. It's truly appreciated. If you too would like to donate, you can do so by going to bhf.org.uk slash donate. And now, back to the conversation. We mostly went to community centres. Mm. And if there, if we saw, as I said, if we saw an event that was on where there was lots of different organisations, predominantly white organisations, mm. we would go there because in society, the organisations that we engage with are predominantly white. We would engage with them and say, well, look, we're here to help you. We knew that we had to go out there and do something at the same time. We had what was called reggae aerobics, mm. which was aerobics done to reggae music. But we didn't get a lot of the elderly people to come. We got a lot of the younger ones, my age group and sometimes younger. And that was good mm. because they could then take on what they learned. Mm. Because we had a class first, which we talked about reducing salt, waste, um, circumference we would mix up spices and say right here's a little bottle of spice take it home and then tell us what you think about it mm. and we'd give them the recipe and there was no salt in it at all mm -hmm. so we did that and that went down you know that went down a storm mm. then the bhf came back to nottingham 
the project ended, mm. but the group continued because we felt it was important. Mm -hmm. So we continued without any funding. Mm -hmm. and we did everything ourselves. I think you've told me maybe in your personal capacity that you have been to um, hospitals to visit elders in your community and, and you've wanted to get the message across to them that um, you don't want to see them in, in this situation and you're trying to get that message out to younger people to get a hold of their blood pressure and try and prevent some of the heart disease from happening in the later years. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if when, when we go to hospitals, it's because, in, as you say, in a personal capacity, mm, mm. and we would tell, you know, we would, we would talk to the elders and, you know, if I heard somebody was in hospital, I'd go and visit and that. But then you could take a bunch of flowers and you'd say, well, look, you know, what is, your, what is your diet like? And they'd complain like hell. Oh, the food here is terrible. There's nothing that meets our needs. And I said, well, I know somebody's working on that, so I can't get on that. And they would say, well, can you bring me so-and-so in? And I'd say, no, you need to eat what, try what is being given to you. Mm. It, it, it wasn't, their palate wasn't used to that, mm. but they tried. But when they came home, they went back to what they were used to. Mm -hmm. And then when I would go and visit them and say, well, I haven't seen you for a while, how are you doing? They'd say, well, oh, it's okay. And I say, well, I'm gonna go, some of them I can be quite cheeky with them. I said, mm. I'm gonna go and look in your cupboard and find, see what's in your cupboard. And I'd say, oh gosh, you've got this, you've got that, you don't need all this. It's very nosy, Bettina. Well, no, it's, it's not kind of, yes, it is nosy, but it's also, what I've said to a lot of them is, I don't want to come to your funeral just yet. And mm. I think some I think I am cheeky enough to use that scare tactic mm. and say, look, you can live a longer life if you cut down on the salt. And to be honest, some of them that I still see now, and I'll say, You've lost a lot of weight. And they've said, Well, yeah, I've cut down on salt and I've, you know, I've now got diabetes. So mm. and then we, we tried to make the link between blood pressure and diabetes and stroke and this was something that was never told to us as a community mm. and these are conditions that are that are more prevalent in the in, yes. in the uk in the black community yes. high blood pressure and diabetes that, that lead to yes. or risk I, factors for heart attack and stroke yes and you know even myself that was never that was never told to me mm. you know i was tested for sickle cell but i was never tested I think it was later years, you know, they kept saying to me, have you got diabetes? I said, well, how am I supposed to know if I've got diabetes? Mm. I said, if nobody's ever tested me. So traveling forward, because of the knowledge that I gained, I was talking to someone from the BHF and she said to me, as the deck did, you know, in all your travels and with what's happened to you, did the doctors ever make the link between your parents and your grandmothers having blood pressure and that you could be prone to having blood pressure. And I said, no. And they said, well, have you ever had an annual health check? And I said, what's that? Hmm. Oh, well, it's when they test, take your bloods and whatever. And I said, no, but it's since I've had the blood pressure that that's happened. And I think for me, that's that's been that's been that's been important mm. and i kind of um not kind of i make it a duty to ring up the surgeon and said when am i due my bloods when am i due this when am i due that mm. you're proactive so, in, in getting your blood pressure checked and, yes. and, and cholesterol checked 
I'm not frightened of telling anybody that I suffer from high blood pressure. Mm. And I, you know, I make, I make a joke about, I said, look, I've got high blood pressure, you know, and they look at me and people think that how you look, you can't have that. Mm. And I think that's why when the doctor said, you've got blood pressure, I said, eh, I can't have that. I don't look like somebody mm. that has high blood pressure. But what does a person who have high blood pressure look like? Mm. In your discussions with the, the Caribbean community, you've seen some resistance to, to talking about it and, and um, telling people that they, they do suffer with high blood pressure. Yes. The, the, um, our community, we are very secretive when it comes to health issues. They don't want anybody else to know, in, in inverted commas, their business. And I say to them, well, hang on, if you can tell your story about your health issues out in public, then it might help someone else change the way they approach their lives and the things that they do in their lives. Um, people are more prone to talk about high blood pressure now. And I'm seeing younger people having high blood pressure and they are not too worried about talking to, about it but what I do, do say is when I see some of the young people who are very large and I will say to them you need to do something about your weight because you can develop high blood pressure because of your eating habits you 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 can develop diabetes you can develop a stroke and they can't see the link between all these ailments and the heart. And when I say to them, you know, if you've got if you've got um, high blood pressure, there is an effect on your heart. I didn't know that at the time. But as you get older and wiser and information is more readily available, because at one time, let's not kid ourselves. Doctors were sacred. They had all the information. So what they would do is they would give you tablets. And if you asked why you're having the tablets, it was, well, you, you need it. Mm. And sometimes you didn't because there are ways now where you can change your diet, where you can eat more healthily. You can eat the things that you normally, like in, on a Sunday in the Caribbean, we have carrot juice, which is carrot made with beetroot, but then it's sweetened with condensed milk. Mm. So then I said, well, hang on, just try the carrot juice with some ginger, and leave out the condensed milk because you don't need that sweetness. Mm. And that will help to lower your blood pressure or have the beetroot juice with ginger. So it really it's about re-educating. Mm. After your diagnosis uh, of high blood pressure, you made some big changes to your life or, or little tweaks. Yes, I, I, um, I, loved, I love rice in any, in any form. Mm. Um, and, you know, I could eat copious amounts of rice. But then I found whole grain brown rice. So that's all, I've that's all I use. But when my grandson is coming, he hates it. So I will cook a separate rice. I will cook white rice for him. I don't use margarine mm -hmm. um, because I've realized that margarine was not made for human consumption. So I don't use that. Um, I don't take sugar. Um, I do use butter, but a block of butter can last me phew, at least a month. Hmm. 
I don't use a lot of salt. I only use the pink Himalayan salt mm -hmm. and I don't use as much. And I look for seasoning that is salt free and GM free. Mm -hmm. So I've changed, I've changed my diet, not just for the blood pressure, but to ward off diabetes in terms of um, I do like my Caribbean food, but, you know, I have to be mindful and cut down that we don't have the quantity of sun in the UK that I'm used to in the Caribbean. Mm. So I don't perspire a lot. Mm. Where in, in the Caribbean, you do perspire a lot. You get rid of some of those toxins here. Mm. We're indoors most of the winter and it's a central eating or whatever. So I have tweaked my diet. Um, I do more walking. I, you know, I don't go to the gym, but I will do exercise. Walking is my main mm. thing. Um, the only time I have sugar, which is really strange, is in tea. Mm. And I'll only have a spoon, but I don't like tea that much. But I'm trying to get my head around this thing where the English say, if you're hot, a cup of tea cools you down. And I don't understand that because it doesn't cool me down. And I always, whenever I'm thinking, oh, I'm so hot, I'll have a cup of tea. And I'm always thinking, why do they say a cup of tea mm. cools, you, cools you down? So, yes, I have, I have changed and I have noticed that I've not increased in weight my weight has, has fallen in some respects and I've stayed steady, which is a good, it is a good thing. Mm. And these changes have uh, lowered your blood pressure to a, a stable yes, it, area. I'm still, on, I'm, still on, I'm still on medication. Mm. And, you know, I keep saying the next time I go to, the, to, the, um, to see the nurse for my health check, I'm going to say to her, I want to stop taking my medication mm. and see what happens. If my medic, if my blood pressure increases, then I'll go back on it. Mm -hmm. But with my medication, my blood pressure is normal. Mm -hmm. What's the medication you are on at the moment? At the moment, I'm on. Oh, let me go and get them, Bill, because some of them I can't even remember. I'm okay. on Ramaprol, mm -hmm. um, Fruzamide, mm -hmm. and Im 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 Fruzamide and. I-N-D-A-P-A-M-I-D-E. Okay, I can hear you rattling through the bathroom cabinet there, Bettina. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I, I do, I do, I do take them. But I, I was only recently in the, since lockdown, diagnosed, um, put onto the fruzamide. Okay, okay. Now, on a slightly different track, Bettina, you've recently been helping the BHF out with its diversity and inclusion strategy. As someone who's been uh, supporting the BHF quite a lot over the past 10 years or so, what is your hope to see the BHF become a more uh, representative organisation? I think, not I think, I know and I'm confident that the BHF can be more inclusive. I was asked to have a conversation with um, someone at the BHF about your diversity and inclusion strategy. And I gave my thoughts and then the strategy was sent to me and I was asked to read the strategy and commented on the strategy. 
And what I saw in the strategy that, that gave me hope was that the BHF wasn't masking where it was in terms of equality, diversity and inclusion. The strategy was easy to read and it engaged me. And I, you know, I picked up words like, this is what we are hoping, this is where we are. This is where we are hoping to be by such and such a date. But we're not there yet. And it's going to take, it's going to take some time to get there. I was happy that I saw that. Mm. What, for me, what I didn't like about the strategy, and it's not just the BHF strategy, it was a lot of words. And I, my comment was, if you're saying that, for argument's sake, the BME community is 60% more likely to have high blood pressure or diabetes or suffer a stroke, that's just words. If there is a graph or a diagram that can show that, and I can understand that because, you know, the phrase goes, a picture paints a thousand words, I can then take that into my community and say, well, look, this is what it means, but words mm. and numbers don't mean anything. And I also suggested that why should strategies always be long pages of words where there is no illustration or pictures? And I said, if you're talking about different races and ethnicity, then why not put a picture of someone that represents the group that you're talking about? Um, that was taken away. And then I was asked whether I would like to um, put a quote mm -hmm. in the strategy. And I was amazed. Nobody's ever asked me. I've never heard of somebody being asked, just a, an ordinary person like me, to put a quote in a strategy. Mm. And I jumped at the opportunity mm. and I said yes. Because for me, I wanted it to, whoever read it, to know that it wasn't just read by the British Art Foundation or devised by the British Art Foundation. Somebody that the strategy will impact has read it. So I said to the, um, I wanted the, the quote to say that I was a Jamaican woman. I wanted that in there. So if they just said a member of the community, mm read the strategy that's fine but i wanted the emphasis to see because if we're ta talking about people from the caribbean are more prone to high blood pressure i wanted them to see that one person i can't speak for everybody but one person had read the strategy and felt comfortably enough and i did say that i think the bhf can be the leading light if it gets its strategy right Mm. it gets its presentation right, then who's to say that other organisations won't say, hey, hang on, we like that strategy that the BHF has put together. It's very engaging. And that's what I want to see for the BHF. And before we round off, Bettina, there's been a, a long history of um, connection to the BHF in your family. You've mentioned that your mum was also a big supporter of the BHF and would send money. And you said that as a little girl, the BHF logo was imprinted on your brain. Yeah. Um, when my mum developed dementia and I was caring for her, I, um, at the time, I, 
I think before checks, they were like postal orders where you go to the post office and buy a postal order. And I would, I never took any notice, to be honest, mm. what she was doing until she, she developed dementia and I went through her things. And I found stubs and stubs and stubs of receipts that mum was sending a £20 here or whatever to the BHF. Mm. But she never... She never told anyone she was doing it. She did it in secret. Mm. And I think now a lot of the older ones will give to the BHF. I I gave, I think I gave 20 bags of clothes to the BHF recently. Handbags, shoes, mm. all sorts of stuff. And, you know, people will come and knock on my door and say, well, will you support? And I said, no, I already support the BHF. Well, what about, I said, no. I'm sorry, I'm I'm only supporting the BHF. And I can support the BHF because I know how it supported me mm. and how it supported and engaged with the BM the the, 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 Black, the African Caribbean community. Mm. It didn't have to, but it saw a need. Mm. And it was just a shame that the department that was working with us or the individual for whatever reason, funding wasn't there any longer and it stopped. Mm. But that didn't stop us carrying on. On your your mum, you've mentioned how high blood pressure and the stroke and the heart attack and then she developed vascular dementia. You saw how it debilitated her towards the end of her life and she didn't get perhaps the quality time with her grandchildren, your children. And that was a big catalyst for you making some changes in your life because you want to have some yes. good, good time with your grandkids. Yes, my... My parents always work and my mom trained to be a nurse and it was because of her high blood pressure that she she qualified, but she had to give work up when my brother was small. Mm. And when I had my first child, mom was around, but then I had my grandmother, my mom, my dad and my sister who helped out with my daughter. But mom didn't take her anywhere because you didn't know from one day to the next day how she was going to be feeling. Mm. So, you know, she'd care for, pardon me, she'd care for her, um, on, you know, until we then, she, she became too ill to care for her. Um, then she went to a childminder. Then she came, she, she was missed so much by my, my, my grandmother and my father that, we brought her back into the family home. And then my grandmother was more stronger than my mum, even though my grandmother was older. And she, between the three of them, um, they cared for my daughter till she went to nursery school and whatever. Mm. So for me, the time that I have now, I invest in my grandchildren. Mum wanted to, but her health ruled her whereas I'm not making my blood pressure take over my life mom blood pressure always ruled my mom's life because you'd say mom let, oh well I don't know how I'm going to be feeling tomorrow and I'd say oh mom forget it mm. I remember once mom had booked a holiday with a friend mm. to go abroad and she booked the holiday today on Thursday mm. and on Friday she rang the lady and said oh I don't think I'm going to be able to go on holiday with you, you know, because I don't know how I'm going to be feeling. And the holiday was probably wasn't within six months' time or th six weeks or whatever. Mm. So mum made blood pressure ruler where I'm saying, 
No, it's not because people will say to me, but Bettina, you've got blood pressure. Where'd you get the energy from? You're here, there and everywhere. But I feel as though if I stop, the blood pressure will take over my life. Mm. And I don't want that to. And I have, you know, I have so much to give. And my, I've got two younger grandchildren. I've got five grandchildren ranging from 30 to four and a half months. Mm. And that I, I now that I'm retired, I can spend more time with the two youngest ones. The three older ones, I was always working. So I never got to spend as even though I spent time with them, it's not as how I can spend with my two younger ones now. Mm. And I think it is important. And I do, you know, I do talk to my younger granddaughter. Um, sometimes she'll hear me and she'll say, and I'll say, she'll say, no, no, why are you taking those tablets? And I said, because I've got high blood pressure. And trying to explain to a four-year-old what high blood pressure is, it's really difficult. Mm. I have to tell her something. I'm not lying. I might not be telling her factual, but I'm telling her, I'm telling her something and that, you know, that, you know, don't go, don't go eating all this McDonald's or whatever, because it's not good for you. Mm. Bettina, I guess your message is for people to get their blood pressure checked and, and if it is high, then to make the lifestyle changes and the diet changes and, and get that new lease on life. Yeah, I, I think if, if I could leave, any, leave people with anything is, you know your body, you know when something doesn't feel right. Don't sit and ponder about it. If you've got a headache, yes, it might, it might just be an headache, but go to the doctor, get an appointment, get your yearly check, get your blood pressure checked. Invest, if you can, in a blood pressure machine. It will fox you for a while, mm. but it comes with instructions. And change, you don't have to do a lot of change. If, if only you just cut down on the salt, you cut down on the fat. Mm. We grew up cooking with coconut oil. Coconut oil never congealed, solidified in the Caribbean, but here it does because it's a cold country. Cut down on certain things. Eat more fruit. Eat more veg. Strangely enough, I've started to eat a lot of raw cabbage without the, the, the dressing on. I might just put balsamic vinegar. And it's surprising how nice it tastes. Mm. And... It fills you more. Cut down on a lot of the white stuff, the white bread, the white rice, mm. the white flour. You don't have to go to a gym. Rather than get, take the bus, get off a stop earlier. Mm. You know, don't go shopping and then load yourself up with so much stuff that you can't walk home. Sometimes just put your clothes, just put something scruffy but not scruffy on and just even if you only walk around the block mm. for five minutes or t five minutes one day the next day or a couple of days later you go for 10 minutes increase that because it'll make your heart pump mm. and it will get more oxygen into your brain yeah. so for me it's about recognizing your capabilities but also when you're when go with that gut feeling that something doesn't feel right in your body, don't sit and ponder on it and think, oh well, the health service is so stretched. Mm. Go to the doctor and get sorted. Mm. Well, Bettina, um, you're a wonderful ambassador for the BHF, and thank you very much for sharing your story here today with me, and and also thanks for everything you've done for the BHF over the past ten years. Long may it continue. Thank you, Billy. 
So I'm here joined by uh, Cindy, who is a senior cardiac nurse with the British Heart Foundation, who's uh, kindly come on the show to give us a bit of information about uh, blood pressure and how it can be um, brought down if it's a bit high. Uh, Cindy, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. No props. Can you just give us a few basic stats on high blood pressure in the UK? Sure. Um, it's more than one in four adults in UK have high blood pressure. And as many as five million adults in UK have undiagnosed high blood pressure and still are not aware that they are at risk. And what is blood pressure? <laughs> blood pressure is the pressure of blood in the vessels that carry your blood from your heart to your brain and the rest of your body. You need a certain amount of pressure to get the blood moving around your body. So your blood pressure naturally fluctuates throughout the day and night, and it's normal to go up, for example, if you're doing any physical activity. The problem starts when the um, your blood pressure is consistently high, even when you are resting. And that's the time that you need to get your blood pressure checked and seek medical advice. And what is meant by hypertension or high blood pressure? The normal range for blood pressure should be less than 140 over 90. So when people have got high blood pressure, the medical term for that is hypertension. And this means that your blood pressure is consistently too high. And again, it means that your heart has to work harder to pump blood around your body. And uh, this is a very serious medical condition. If you ignore it, it can lead to having a heart attack or a stroke. It can also cause kidney failure, heart failure, uh, or having problem with your eyesight and vascular dementia. And do we know what causes high blood pressure? There isn't always as, uh, an explanation for the cause of um, high blood pressure, um, but most people develop high blood pressure because of their diet and um, lifestyle they're having. And sometimes high blood pressure runs in families and can also worsen when we get older. Mm -hmm. There are other factors um, that um, can increase your risk of getting high blood pressure, um, such as drinking too much alcohol, um, smoking, being overweight, um, not doing enough exercise um, or eating too much salt. So by making some changes in your lifestyle, you will be able to make a big difference and prevent having high blood pressure in future. And is it known um, uh, what symptoms there might be if you were living with uh, undiagnosed high blood pressure? Um, high blood pressure um, rarely has noticeable symptoms. But if you're having symptoms such as blurred visions, nosebleeds, um, shortness of breath, having chest pain, dizziness or headaches, that's the time that you need to get your blood pressure checked and seek medical advice. And many people with high blood pressure feel fine, but even if you feel fine, you should still have your blood pressure checked regularly.
And that brings us on nicely, uh, the importance of knowing your blood pressure and uh, the benefits that can flow when you do uh, know your numbers. Absolutely. Um, and also, um, you can, this is, checking your blood pressure, it's very accessible and you can get it done at your GP surgery, your local pharmacy, or if you're aged between 40 to 74, you can um, basically have an NHS health check to spot the early sign of um, having high blood pressure. But the only way to know whether you have high blood pressure is to have it measured. Sydney, thank you very much for, for joining us here on the podcast and um, hope you have a lovely afternoon. Thanks for having me, Bill. Thank you. Bye. Before Bettina found out she had high blood pressure, she was one of the 5 million people in the UK who were living undiagnosed with this potentially dangerous condition. British Heart Foundation research has shown that in the UK, African Caribbeans are at higher risk of developing high blood pressure compared with people of white European heritage. And high blood pressure can lead to heart attacks and strokes if left untreated. But by making lifestyle changes, as Bettina has shown, you can reduce your risk of further health problems. You'll find more information in the episode notes on the importance of knowing your blood pressure, as well as tips for living a healthier life. And if you've got any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health and would find it helpful to speak with a cardiac nurse on the BHF's Heart Helpline, go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash heart helpline and you'll find all the contact options there. And if you've got your own heart story or have any thoughts on this episode, do get in touch with us by email at theTickerTapes at bhf.org.uk. See you next time on the ticker tapes.